2: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One, two,
1: three, four. Good morning and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm national recruiting analyst Cooper Batagna, joined by 24-7 Sports director of scouting Andrew Ivans, and wait Drew do you hear that what's that music that's 24-7 sports director of recruiting Steve Wilfong's music he is on the podcast with us today to break down everything happening in the college football recruiting world Steve you are our first recurring guest on the Oyster Boys podcast we'll call it 24-7 sports football recruiting pod Already up in Adam this morning, working with Bucknuts, the 24-7 Sports Ohio State affiliate. How we doing, my man? It's been a while. Hey, good
2: morning, boys. Thanks for having me on. Let's go,
1: baby. Bring in the juice. I love it. All right. A lot of uh a lot of topics to to cover, Steve. It seems like the 2024 cycle is starting to heat up. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna feed you a couple of storylines. We'll kind of jump in, add a little bit of analysis as we go. But right now, Auburn. Steve is a team to watch out for. Andrew and I have discussed Auburn under Hugh Freeze over the last couple of weeks. And this is a team right now that seems to be surging, although they haven't put it together yet. But they are just laying the foundational building blocks to what seems to be a very credible and a legit chance at securing a top 10 class in 2024 for the Auburn Tigers.
2: Well, I went basically a two year stretch of barely talking about Auburn. Um, so I think now what you're seeing is an exciting team to follow on the recruiting trail. And it starts at the top with Hugh Freeze, who's fully vested in recruiting uh, at Auburn and building relationships with their top recruits and being engaged and being seen and, and uh, being heard about the program. And uh, it kind of goes back to when Harson was let go. I thought that Coach Etheridge and Cadillac Williams kind of set the tone for the program moving forward for what the what they could be potentially on the trail. Those two guys for their alma mater started recruiting, um, getting as many kids of campus as they could for games. And uh, so it set the tone for when Hugh Freeze was hired. A lot of people thought it was going to be Lane Kiffin, but then when Hugh Freeze was hired – Coach Cadillac Williams and Coach Etheridge had Auburn in great position with a lot of blue chippers where they could land some guys late. They flipped a lot of guys. They had the heaviest spatula in the 2023 cycle. And and then here in 2024, they're, they're ripping and roaring with a few early commits, including Walker White, who they beat Clemson on, among others at the quarterback position. And you're seeing all these five stars and four stars visiting campus They're trying to flip several guys committed to Alabama right now or Georgia when you're talking about guys like Perry Thompson, DeMarcus Riddick, um, Sterling Dixon, Ryan Williams in the 2025 class. They're not afraid to go after anybody under Hugh Freeze and company. K.J. Bolden's been to campus twice this year. Spring, who cares if people are saying Georgia and Ohio State are best position for him. We're swinging at K.J. Bolden, and he's had fantastic visits on the plains. He loved his experience this past weekend. He's looking forward to getting back. And I could rattle off a bunch of the names that they had there this weekend. Perry Thompson, Cameron Coleman, who I think they're in a really good spot for. Kevin Riley, their front runner for the top 247 running back from in-state. Jeremiah Beeman. Uh, uh, Charleston Collins is a guy that at one point I liked LSU for. He just had a great visit to Auburn. So they're not only getting great players to campus, they're getting dynamic skill players to campus. They're getting guys around the line of scrimmage that can be difference makers against Alabama and Georgia on Saturdays. And it had been so long since we've seen Auburn like beat a blue blood on the trail for someone that they wanted it didn't really happen for several years last year at the end of the cycle we saw them get some recruiting wins against some teams that are actually competing for some marbles and now that they're and now this cycle you know they, they've had some big recruiting wins and they're in these major blue chip battles and they got a chance to win some man and that's what auburn football should be
0: you mentioned one word or Two words right there. Steve, you said skill players, right? And I think when you look at the A-Day visitors list, that's what stands out to me. Uh, you brought up Hugh Freeze, what he was able to do last cycle, comes in a month before the early signing period, uh, and they and they get some big wins, right? Uh, Kedrick Falk, de- defense alignment pass rusher, um, uh, K.N. Lee, the, the corner, Tyler Scott. Uh, they loaded up on the defensive side of the ball, and you look at what they already got committed here in 2024. It's, again, heavy on defense, I, I, I told my buddy who plays at, played at Auburn this, this morning, Auburn hasn't had a skill player, an offensive skill player, go in the first round of the NFL draft since 2005, right? It has been a while. In fact, over the past three years, they've had just two, two skill players drafted. So when I look at this list and I see Perry Thompson on there, and then the one I really want to highlight, Cameron Coleman, the five-star wide receiver who is a big riser for us, that's what Auburn, I think, needs. We know they're going to be good on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to have talent there, but they need an influx of skilled talent. And that's what I think if you're an Auburn fan, that's why you should be excited about this visitors list. There's some perimeter playmakers there, guys that can move the chains, You know, be a wide receiver type one. So I don't know if you have any more on, on Cameron Coleman, but when we talked to him, me and Cooper did uh, it, there in Atlanta at the Under Armour game, he brought up that, how he was talking every day with Hugh Freeze, and I thought that was pretty notable because I don't think Brian Harson was as involved with a, a blue chip recruit like that.
2: I think that there was, I think like Brian Harson was the least visible head coach on the recruiting trail in the SEC. And your stat there on Auburn skill players getting drafted, I didn't realize that. It kind of like takes me back to a stat where there was a time up until recently where Michigan hadn't had a running back drafted since Mike Hart until Chris Evans was drafted in the 6th round and Mike Hart was his position coach. Uh that it just blows me well, away well, that Auburn well, hasn't had a skill player drafted uh as high as you said since, you know, it, 2005 it,
0: it, which was Cadillac and Cadillac's on staff there now.
2: I know in that wild. Yeah, but look, Auburn's Auburn's uh exciting to follow. We're talking about Auburn. We like I said, we barely talked about Auburn. They have, they have one of the best running backs in the country committed right now. And Jamarian Burnett to go with Walker White. So the foundation of this class is, is off and running. And and then, yeah, um, I talked to Cameron Coleman after the visit and uh, you know, he talked about seeing the offense in action, talking to the coaches, the coaching staff, they love the scheme and what coach freeze is doing with the program. And, and Perry Thompson echoed a lot of the same things. And, and uh you know, just talked about the welcoming feeling that they're getting from the coaches. And and so these this coaching staff, you know, Cadillac and Coach Etheridge uh are, are gonna be engaged at their alma mater, but it's not just them, Coach Thornton and and uh the off-field guys, Trodon Reed, but uh you know, obviously Hugh Freeze and 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 this entire staff is is invested in 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 recruiting right now at Auburn and you're seeing the caliber of players are getting on campus. And so now we'll ultimately see who they close, but they're in position to have a top 10 class. And so, um, and and not only that a top 10 class full of guys at the right positions.
0: I I think what's unique about Auburn and Cooper, I I know you want to go here is you mentioned it, Steve, last season. I mean, kids are, kids are always going to show up, right? There's going to be fans in the stands. Uh, You you just got to put a product attracts talent right give a give a reason for kids to go there so I think this is a a big year on the field for Hugh Freeze I mean you're you're a two-hour drive from Atlanta you know right down the road from KJ Bolden we we know the state of Alabama continues to churn out talent so you're right the runway is there for them to make plenty of noise not only in the SEC but on a national level
2: they're building the new facilities. You already see them getting in the mix with top 2025s now and building that foundation. I said they're trying to flip Ryan Williams, but Jared Smith was on campus. Jaden Perlati is a Georgia commit. Kobe Howard from Pensacola loved it. Uh um Ryan Ryan G from from Alpharetta. Uh um, so there's a there's a lot of guys that that love their experience on campus. It looks like they're the it looks like they're the team to beat for a lot of these guys that made it or near the top of the list, Martavius Collins from Rome, Georgia. Loved his experience. So, And then even some guys that couldn't make it. You know, Jordan Ross wasn't able to make it. Demarcus Riddick wasn't able to make it. They're way in it for those guys.
1: The other thing I think about with the two receivers, especially when we're talking about Perry Thompson and Cameron Coleman, you go back to Hugh Freeze, Ole Miss – 2012 to 2016, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, same class in the class of 2016. Laquan treadwell there as well. I mean, we're talking about big physical receivers, DK Metcalf, a guy over six foot three plus. I think it's what Auburn hadn't had. They hadn't had those guys on the perimeter in recent years. And I think a guy like you freeze is the right guy to kind of inject that offense with that type of skill set. So Auburn, right now, a team to watch on the trail. You heard it there first from our Director of Scouting, and our Director of Recruiting. Auburn War Eagle, they're starting to get it going. A team that's also has it going right now, and they've had it going for quite some time. That is Ohio State in the Buckeyes, and they landed a big commitment over the weekend from four-star quarterback Air Noland, who, I, guys, I have to say, I can't remember the last time we followed a player that wasn't ranked in the top 32 or not among five-star status so closely, and our editor, you know, Trey Scott sent out an email yesterday morning on Monday morning and, and really kind of took us through that whole experience, how we started covering that from start to finish. Steve, obviously, you're a big part of that. Andrew, the same with your interview in Atlanta after the Under Armour Atlanta camp. But this is a guy that's been really followed in depth. And then you kind of take a look around and all the schools that were in play for Air Nolan, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, so on and so forth, the cream of the crop there. And I don't want to call it a 1A, 1B type of situation, but once Dylan Rayola came off the board, it seemed like Aaron Nolan became the most coveted arm on the market. So, Steve, I would just say in a brief fashion, Aaron Nolan could have chosen to go anywhere in the country. When it really came down to it, why did he decide to go to Ohio State?
2: Well, I think that Ohio State, checked the boxes that he was looking for in a program and and uh you know their track record of developing the quarterback position is second to none right now if you start for Ryan Day you're a first rounder at Ohio State so the next man up you know that's the that's the streak that's happening right now here I think that uh, Ohio State and the opportunity, the way they invest in their players on the field and off the field with their Real Life Wednesday program and things like that really stood out to Aaron Nolan as well. I think he fit in with the guys in the locker room. Great relationship with Ryan Day and Corey Dennis and Brian Hartline. It didn't hurt having a teammate Jelani Thurman up there who's already having a great experience but I just think the track record at quarterback, he's investing in himself to get up there and accomplish his goals at Ohio State, and it's going to put him in position to be the quarterback he wants to be long-term as a professional. I mean, this is a young man that's a three-year varsity starter already for one of the best programs in the state of Georgia. He's thrown 104 career touchdown passes and only 16 interceptions. He is a Career 67 68% passer that hit on 73% of his throws last year. He's gotten better every year. 15 touchdowns, 34 touchdowns, 55 touchdowns. Only four picks last year. Completion percentage goes 62, 64, 73. He sees the field well. He's in great control. Uh, you turn on the film and you see a lot of high-level touch throws. And now he wants to go to a school that's going to take his game to another level. He's, he's always pouring into his craft right now. He's a football junkie and and Ohio state is the place that allows him in his opinion, to get the best coaching, to continue his development. So I think that's why he went with Ohio state.
1: A little bit of scouting Riz from the director of recruiting right there, Steve Wilfong. Drew, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm I'm (laughs) going to, I'm going to set you up on this. I mean, to me for Aaron Nolan outside of, going to play for Ryan Day, the second most important person in that recruitment to me, it's got to be Brian Hartline, right? Because you got two five-star receivers there. We're talking about Jeremiah Smith, the number two ranked player in the class of 2024. Drew, a prospect that you believe is generational, not to mention Mylon Graham coming over from the state of Indiana, another five-star receiver. And that's not even mentioning what the Buckeyes hauled in in 2023 with carnell tate brandon ennis noah rogers and bryson rogers so to me when i look at Aaron nolan and if this is a business decision and i'm in his circle is there a better place that he's set up for success than columbus
0: i i don't think so and i gotta throw out two more stats because because steve read them all off langston hughes last season scored 795 points that's the most ever in georgia history okay. for a single season his fifty-five t- touchdown pass is number two all-time in Georgia. That's ahead of Trevor Lawrence, who had fifty-one. One Watson one. N- Watson is n- is three or four. He's got Stockton, 50. Correct. Yeah, I think it's Stockton.
2: Oh, Gunner Stockton. I heard he's doing well at Georgia. Talking to my man Rusty Manzel, but I would always, Gust- Gunner Stockton looks like he's selling insurance for <laughs> throwing six touchdown passes uh, in-, in a game. He just had a, a mature dad looked to him even in high school
1: Poor Gunner Stockton <laughs> catching
0: some strays. All right, Drew, carry on. Um, no, you're right. I mean the, the skill talent around him, right. You're throwing to, uh, it feels like an NFL wide receiver room, right. With Mylon Graham, Jeremiah Smith, Brendan and his Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers, Bryson Rogers. Then you mentioned Jelani Thurman. I think he's kind of the, it could be the X factor as a, as a tight end. I mean, a guy that was on the freaks list, um, you know he he had a heck of a season catching passes from Aaron Nolan. I, I wanted to ask you guys: Did you see the tweet from Jeremiah Smith earlier this week about not visiting Miami I, anymore? Do you think Aaron Nolan plays a little bit to that into that at all? You know, someone tweeted at him. Re, he retweeted said he's never going to go back to Miami. Um, I I said it right after our broadcast. I, I thought them getting Aaron Nolan was a big deal in terms of helping them hold on to Jeremiah Smith, who people are coming at from all different angles. Uh, Jeremiah has played with Aaron Nolan. So yeah, I, I do think it's, it's the perfect situation. And I also wanted to ask Steve, Steve, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you, who do you think finished number two for air or is there, was there a clear cut number two or was it kind of the Ohio state just separated from the pack?
2: Yeah, I think that there were times where Miami led for Aaron Nolan, and I think that they were the program that was in most communication alongside Ohio State down the stretch. I also think that there were times where Texas A&M led for Aaron Nolan as well and that he really saw a future for himself in College Station playing for Coach Petrino and Coach Fisher and being under Coach Petrino in that offense. I think uh, for a lot of the reasons why he picked Ohio State, his intrigue and excitement with the pedigree that Coach Fisher and and Coach Petrino have made that an attractive option. Uh, So those would be the two that I think had the uh, uh, most runway. Coming out of the Clemson visit, he absolutely loved it. And uh, talking to him after that before the War Daddy series, he kind of helped me order the schools for that War Daddy series. And so we had Clemson number one in the War Daddy But I think that was like emotion, you know, just left Clemson. I don't know how many times he went down the slide in their facility, but he obviously.
0: Me and Cooper said as soon as as soon as he showed up at Clemson, they were going to offer him in the parking lot. As soon as they got around him, because Clemson's got the unofficial rule, right? They have to meet you before they kind of offer you. And I was like, all right, this this is done by the time they get in the golf cart and ride into the facility.
2: Yeah, no, he's a unique young man. T- obviously, you guys have talked to him. He's His people skills and communication skills are off the chart. I mean, he's really good at small talk. I mean, look, I've, I've been doing this job a long time. I've never had a recruit just kind of text me and ask me if I've seen Creed 3 yet. <laughs> I mean, he's just a great communicator. Well, have you? I have, of course. I went and saw it. Had to see it by myself, though. I <laughs> went to uh this movie theater where they serve you food I went to a 1045 matinee and had myself a big breakfast sandwich and watched Craig Creed 3 breakfast sandwich on a croissant that's the only way to eat a breakfast sandwich boys uh,
1: I feel like everybody's got their way of decompressing Steve it sounds like yours is a breakfast croissant and Creed 3 matinee <laughs> which I love one day we should do an episode just on that how do we decompress from the job Hey, the other thing here with Ohio State, I brought it up in the past, but this quarterback room in terms of the diversity of talent is pretty intriguing. I think it's one of the more fascinating quarterback rooms to really continue to monitor over the next couple of years because you got, you got a little bit of everything. You got Devin Brown, who's the pure pocket passer out of the state of Utah, Kyle McCord in there as well. After that, I mean, you look at a guy like Lincoln Keenholes, very different very athletic i mean we're talking about a multi-sport athlete a guy that could get it done on the hardwood it's got a little bit of everything to him and then air nolan who's really a pocket passer but he's quick twitch left-handed commander of the game a lot of poise there so ryan day has a little bit of everything in his quarterback room
0: all right before we pivot away from air nolan number one in the single season records in Georgia for touchdown passes is actually Kahari lane with 56 Gunner Stockton was tied with Aaron Nolan at 55. So
2: did someone buzz you? Like, did you get an alert? on that?
0: (laughs) I looked it up because I know someone's going to come in the comments and be like, you guys are completely wrong. I don't want to do Kahari lane wrong here. So
2: that Ohio state quarterback room, the one thing all all those guys have in common is their toughness. Um, And Lincoln as Keen- Lincoln we saw him at the All-America Bowl in San Antonio. And it was a little bit of a struggle for him in practice as he was adjusting to the game speed of the wide receivers and the defense coming at him. You know, it was something he had never seen, seen before from where he's from, right? But, man, so, you know, we're watching him. And you get caught up in these practice moments. It's It's human nature when you're out there. And, you know, he's – He's. You can see that he's talented. You know he's a talented athlete, but he's struggling. And then the game, the game comes on, and all of a sudden, man, he's balling. You know, pass rushers are coming at him. He's out of there. He's got a good presence. They can't get a finger on him. He's making plays downfield. He was the only guy that could move the ball for the West against that fantastic East defensive line. And so, you just saw why Ohio State pivoted to him incredibly hard at the end of the cycle and and uh so it, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of career he has at Ohio because when you look at the best quarterbacks in the nfl right now they're all mobile they all can make things happen and that's and all, kind of his game
0: and they're all a lot of them are multi-sport athletes as well and and, and lincoln's a guy who what, what was he hitting in baseball like over 400 uh led his team to the final four in basketball as well i mean i know it's south dakota but that guy uh, I I watched like a 20 minute local news special on YouTube about him, and I was just kind of like jaw dropped and all. I'm like, this is the all American athlete. He's got he's that a gamer. Fair... When the bullets
2: fly, he performs.
0: Fair fair to say, as you just said, he's got
1: that gamer tag. You know, I, and I think we all expected him to show up in San Antonio. That's probably what we expect. I, I think we'd be more surprised if he excelled throughout the week. But the more important part, and Mark Pantone talked about this, I mean, they're looking for winners, and you talked about toughness, but all those guys that we mentioned, Aaron Nolan included, they're all proven winners. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
1: Another guy that Ohio State is in the mix for. We'll talk a little bit about the Buckeyes. But Sammy Brown, five-star linebacker out of the state of Georgia. Steve, it looks like it's shaping up between five programs, and I'm going to name a couple here. Oklahoma, Ohio State, Tennessee, Georgia, and who am I missing? Clemson. Clemson. There you go. So a little bit of reading the article that you put out on Sammy Brown and some of his spring visits and what he's got going on. It sounds like he's going to take all his visits over the summer. This is one of the more, I would say compelling athletes uh, that we're going to follow throughout the cycle in 2024. Andrew just talked about the multi-sport athleticism and why it's so important. Well, if if you want a uh, firsthand look at what a multi-sport athlete do it all type of player looks like, then look no further than Sammy Brown. But Steve, it's kind of like the precursor to the all-important official visits that are coming up this summer, but the spring cycle for Sammy Brown. Where do you think stand for him as he starts to gather more and more information and hopefully is trending towards making a decision probably before the fall? I would imagine just reading the tea leaves based on the summer OVs and in the, in the spring visits as well.
2: He's as explosive a short area athlete there is in the country, powerful, strong. Um, and his recruitment, he he was just at Georgia. And the way he described that practice, it was like the Georgia players went into that practice like it was the SEC championship. I mean, he talked about the physicality that they had on the field and how hard they were hitting and playing and how hard the coaches were coaching. Um, there's a reason why Georgia's is the two-time defending national champs. And uh, their spring scrimmage uh, he might have like went to the real spring game because I doubt they'll you know what they what what you'll see in public at the spring game, but he said that spring scrimmage was his physical practice he's ever been to. I know he's got a great report with Kirby smart and Glenn Schumann uh, loves the way they develop players, loves the way they scheme it, loves the culture of the program, loves being in Athens. I give them the slight edge, man. I mean, I like Georgia in this recruitment and have for a while. Uh, I probably should mark it with a crystal ball at this point. I've said it enough. Whoa. Um, Clemson, I'm certainly not sleeping on Clemson. I know he's been to Clemson a ton. He had another great visit there. Says it's the best culture in college football. Uh, loves Coach Goodwin. Loves Coach Sweeney. He talked about their practice and their culture, and he was like, you can see the way the players interact with each other and the way the coaches interact with the players. That I mean, that's special to him, and he, it's unique to the places he's been. I, I, the way that people care for each other at Clemson really stands out to him. In addition to all the success that they've had, um, Tennessee. He was just there recently. He's got family in the area. Was up there for Easter. Got a lot of one-on-one time with Coach Banks and and Coach uh, uh, BJ, their linebackers coach. Um, Co- Coop, you worked with him at Michigan, right? Which one is that? Ryan, Gene, Mary.
1: I did not. Gotcha. I did not.
2: So he got some one-on-one time with those guys. Loved the arrow up on Tennessee. Oklahoma talked about the similarities between the Clemson program, which is obvious. But one cool thing he pointed to on his visit to Oklahoma was he's like, Brent Venables is standing behind the linebackers the whole time at practice. So he's like, this dude's the head coach. He's the D.C. And he's the linebackers coach. So that makes Oklahoma unique for him. And then he loves Ohio State, too. He's been there a couple times. going to go back for an official. Uh, He said Coach Laurinaitis is one of his best relationships. And then he talked about Jim Knowles. I got a kick out of this. But Jim Knowles, he called him an old-school throwback uh, linebackers coach that wears jeans and a golf shirt to work. And I was talking about this on the Bucknuts podcast. So there's not a whole lot of denim in college football out there. And you guys – when you're out on the road, Andrew, and you see these college coaches, they're about to be on the road next week. And most of them are wearing khakis and a golf shirt or their logo. But I would always see like the coaches from Texas, they were always in jeans. So it kind of made me think that's what I thought of when he talked about coach Knowles there.
0: I saw Jim Knowles last spring on the road. We shared a sideline, but he was not wearing jeans.
2: And I also saw,
0: I also saw Ryan day and I was impressed because he had, three phones in his back pocket somehow he made it work in the back pocket someone
2: need three phones for though i
0: I I mean you you, you want to be honest i mean i was with a college staffer and he he had two phones over the weekend i'm like whose phone is that he's like oh this is my head coach's phone i'm like what like
2: well sometimes coaches have two phones because they have the phone that goes with them they switch jobs so much so they have their regular line that their friends and family can reach them on, and then they have the work-provided phone. So, I But the third phone, that's different. I, maybe it was two. I will, too
1: I will say this, little college football secret. There is an app out there that programs pay money for that allows an additional support staff member to text on behalf of a head coach or other staff members, right, without them really even having that device in their hands. So now I don't know how that plays in, but everybody when, – when I was at Michigan, Michigan was the only place where everybody on staff had two phones, including me. You had a work phone, and then you had your personal phone. So the bat I don't know how that plays cool. into so it. He's probably got one just for receivers, I would imagine, <laughs> another one just for quarterbacks. I mean, the way they're recruiting, why not? Cooper, I got so, a
2: question for you. In your experience – where uh off-field staffer is texting on behalf of a coach did they ever screw up the small talk or the dialogue or whatever and then that was like a
0: deal
1: breaker a a collision i wouldn't say a deal breaker but sure it, it, it absolutely happened i mean it's it's very difficult to embody the vision and the voice of the head coach and uh, anybody, right? If I was texting on behalf of Steve Wolfong, or if I was texting on behalf of Andrew Ivans, and I'm developing this relationship between the prospect and members of the prospect's family or decision makers, that is now the relationship that you have that exists, right? So all those topics that you have covered and all those conversations that have transpired now live in that world to where now you have to do your homework when that prospect and their family or their decision makers come on campus. So it is tricky. Or you could be like Mario Cristobal and you could do the work yourself, which, listen, I've talked about him before, but I think so much of his secret sauce is his ability to put himself in the arena, which is every day at a certain time texting not only the prospect, but the people that are important in that process. And I think that gives him a big leg up in the recruitment is that he is so persistent, but it's also him. Like you're going to wake up every morning at 430 with an all caps text from the head coach of Miami football. And that means something because not every head coach is willing to do that. Now, there's a there's a million different ways to skin a cat. It's not the only way that you can successfully recruit people, but it's different. I do think it takes away from the authentic authenticity of the relationship when you have somebody else texting for you. I don't like it. I've never liked it. I think it's lazy. I think coaches get paid way too much money not to do their own recruiting. And I think it's a cheap way out. But, you know, that's coming from somebody that, had to had to be one of those guys for for quite some time. And there's
2: there's times of years where Coach Cristobal is sleeping three hours, making turkey burgers at eleven p.m. at night while he's recruiting on different coasts of the country. There.
1: Now listen, there's probably a more efficient way to go about his business too, right? Um, but that's that's who he is. That's who he's always been, and that's what's always worked for him. So, like I said, there's there's a lot of different ways to go about it. But even if you're Ryan Day, for example, and you. Text Aaron Nolan three times a week. I mean, you got to make sure that those texts are genuine, authentic, and memorable, right? And those are are needle mover type of conversations. And when I worked for Chris Peterson, who was not a guy that enjoyed staying up to speed and texting, he 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 wasn't going to sit on his phone and have these long back and forth. To me, it was about all right, get him on the phone with the prospect tell him we would have three to four points every week, I would have to make him a basically a sheet that would run three to four topics that we wanted to talk about with the prospect and their family that we had to hit home on. Those conversations would last 30, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour plus. If you had one of those a week for who he is and the the prospects at this point have a better understanding for who he is, that's all you needed, right? You didn't need... You didn't need a good morning text or hey, good luck at good luck at practice today, right? So it's different strokes for different folks. I think everybody's a little bit different there. But Steve, I I, I did have a, a quick question for you, real quick. Do you think Brent Venables going to Oklahoma when it comes to defensive recruiting? And I, you know, Clemson is doing just fine with Nick Eason on the defensive line, but maybe linebackers. I get, if venables was at clemson right now and not oklahoma do you think clemson would have the juice and maybe they still do to get over the hump of of this big obstacle we call the georgia bulldogs
2: well we'll see how it settles with guys like sammy brown and stuff right like they could still win those win those battles uh, but brett venables is as electric a guy as there is in college football that had, his, had when he was the defensive coordinator at clemson had as much pedigree as anyone at the position and the trust that his players had in him like for instance if clemson comes out first series of the game and the other team has a scripted offense and they score no one's coming to the sideline and panicking you know you're going to get some adjustment you just knew everything from venables from that to his coaching, to his recruiting. He was as involved a coordinator as there was on the trail. And that's not just recruiting kids. That's evaluating, getting in the film and saying, hey, I like this dude in Virginia that's got three offers from Old Dominion and uh, Wake Forest and – uh, Syracuse but uh, hell, he's good enough to be the Mike linebacker in my defense at Clemson so we're going to recruit him so he was very involved in the evaluation standpoint of it and the recruiting standpoint of it and then he had the reputation where he could help you finish off some recruitments because coach Sweeney's more of a closer you you get you get he's so eloquent in his message of Clemson football he comes in and closes the deal, but Brent Venables is, you know, the one that puts it on the tee for Sweeney to coach Sweeney to, to, to knock it out of the park. And, and, and he had that pedigree. So, you know, Clemson's lost some coaches over the years that helped build that thing into the national title powerhouse. It was, you know, those guys have moved on to other opportunities and, and so now there's there's guys in that in that room now that are 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 looking to prove themselves in in a similar fashion under under Coach Sweeney. But I mean, obviously now Coach Venables is at Oklahoma. They had a top five class last year, and a lot of that is credit to him and the juice that he brings on the trail. I mean, he's an electric guy as a coach and as a recruiter.
1: Drew, you had a point there. On, I saw you raising your hand before. <laughs> maybe maybe it's off topic I, now. But I'll let you I, yeah. In.
0: Have we gone away from Sammy Brown?
1: You can jump back in. It.
0: Okay. The school that I don't want to use this word, but Steve brought up Tennessee, right? You know, Sammy Brown goes to Georgia. It's kind of just an embarrassment of riches, kind of what they've been doing on that side of the ball. I think you can kind of make the case, maybe Clemson a little bit. I know linebacker has been not an Achilles heel, but Tennessee kind of would excite me. And and I brought it up, me and Cooper have talked about it at length, you know, what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. If you look at the 2023 class, maybe they're not getting the headliners, but I think they're getting a lot of guys that can be multi-year starters in the SEC, and that's kind of the name of the game, right, for Tennessee, trying to improve that defensive unit. Sammy Brown, to me, for them, would be kind of that, that impact player, that star player, the guy you can kind of base the defense around, so... Uh, the Vols are going to get an official visit. Steve, is that does it sound like yep. that's the case?
2: Yep, absolutely. No, they're they're in, they're finalists for him. He loves Tennessee, and look, you even go back to the 2022 cycle, Tennessee landing guys that are difference makers on defense, and 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 that was that's what's going to define Coach Hypo how they recruit on defense and develop. Like for Lincoln Riley, what's going to define him is how they recruit at the point of attack on both sides of the ball. You know that they're going to win 10, 11 games each year, but that's not his goal. His goal is to win the national championship, so it's going to come down to championship-level recruiting at the point of attack. And for Tennessee, it's going to be, hey, we're going to always have one of the best offenses in college football under Coach Hype where's our defense you know where's our defense going and, and and you look at the body types and the upside of the guys that they've recruited the last several cycles you see the vision you see the blueprint and and, and you you saw a defense that was uh, opportunistic and and exciting at times this past year and you think that they'll take another step forward this year with with some of the guys that they went out there and landed and 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 uh, You know, we'll see what happens with guys like James Pierce and 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 some of them high upside body types that they they recruited. But I like, as you said, the way that they're recruiting on that side of the ball. And if they could pull off Sammy Brown, that would be that would be massive. But I think kind of their recipe right now on defense is they 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 are landing body types with developmental upside. They could get now. I think they lead for Cameron Fountain right now. I think they're on they're in the top two or three for Josh Ross, may even lead there you know, so they're getting guys to campus. So they're kind of similar to Auburn right now. Right. Is as, as far as like getting guys to campus numerous times and they're in some of these blue chip battles. And, and, and so we'll see, uh, you know, how it shapes up in December.
0: Well, J- Joshua Joseph's from two cycles ago, edge, edge player, right. I've been reading good re- practice reports about him. It's a guy they beat Michigan for uh, late down the stretch, Penn state as well. So no, I, I agree. Um, Everything you said, I mean, it's guys that have an upward arrow that they keep bringing in on the, on defense.
1: Biggest threat to Georgia in the East, without a doubt, Tennessee right now. I mean, we talk about it. Guys like David Hobbs, guys like uh, Caleb Herring, Chindavian Bradley. You kind of love what they did on the back end as well uh, with a couple of the names that they got. Ricky Gibson being one of them, John Slaughter, another one. So Tennessee, you, a, a team Ricky to watch Gibson, out for. Too. Yeah. And and Ricky Gibson, a late riser from the state of Alabama. So Tennessee right now, I think, you know, when Brad Crawford did his uh, 2025 future top 25 rankings, and I think he had Tennessee at six, I want to say. I mean, Tennessee, to me, is a team that could have gone as high as number four. I love Tennessee. I love the way they're recruiting, I think, offensively. If you're able to tap into what they've done, I mean, you talk about guys like Nico, EMI, Lieva, and then Nathan Leacock, right? I mean, they continue year in and year out, load up the skill spots. That's an offense that is is going to produce. We've seen that the last two years. Tennessee, one of the most dangerous teams in the country. Steve, another team that's trying to get over the hump. Back to back college football playoff appearances. Jim Harbaugh in the Michigan Wolverines. It's been a lot of talk, uh, especially on this podcast the last couple of years of them not living up to their expectation on the recruiting trail. Let me say this as somebody that used to work in the personnel department in Michigan. That's 110% true. They do a great job in terms of identifying talent, finding guys that fit their program, and then developing their talent. They have left some meat on the bone when it comes to recruiting at a high level. And this is what's frustrating. The way they're recruiting right now in 2024, this is the way that they're capable of recruiting year in and year out. And you're looking at a team that has been very, very aggressive this cycle, sitting right now number two in the 2024-24-7 sports composite team rankings. They picked up a commitment from Andrew Sprague at offensive line. It looks like they're sitting in a good spot for two other offensive linemen we really like. Steve Wilfong, break it down for me where Michigan sits right now on the recruiting trail, what they've done well and what they need to continue to do to potentially secure a top five recruiting class in 2024.
2: Well, that 2021 class was kind of like, you know, a class that kind of like, and even, even the, the hall before 2020, those were, that's where you kind of started to see like a turn for Michigan as far as like injecting more speed into the offense and, um, Yeah, obviously you hit on J.J. McCarthy and then you hit on Jaden Davis. You start hitting on guys that can take your program and and win your games at that position and maybe not just be a game manager that that we saw so often uh, early on in Coach Harbaugh's era. That was still really good. I mean, it's just as you said, it just speaks to the standard of Michigan football. When uh, you know Michigan had several good years under Coach Harbaugh, but it wasn't enough because you weren't beating Ohio State and you weren't making the playoff and you weren't winning the Big Ten. Uh, but this class, this class that Michigan has right here that sits at number two nationally, you got Jaden Davis in the fold. You go out and land arguably the best running back in the Midwest and, and Jordan Marshall, who's a two thousand yard rusher. You beat Ohio State for him, and I've said it a couple on a couple other platforms. Ohio Michigan's not showing up to. a, a a gunfight with knives on the trail anymore with ohio state they they could not beat the buckeyes on the trail for so many years but now that they've been able to turn it on the field you can go into ohio and you can land jordan marshall and maybe you beat ohio state for aaron scott i know the crystal ball says ohio state for aaron scott but talking to our colleague Alan True and, and other people around it, you you don't sleep on Michigan for Aaron Scott or Bryce West from Glenville right now, with the way Michigan's recruiting. And I think Michigan, you look at this coaching staff right now, and it's full of good recruiters. And there was times where there was only like two or three guys doing all the all the heavy lifting. Now, both sides of the ball, you got guys that are also getting after it on the trail. And and so you're seeing the results. And and right now, Michigan's hot on the offensive line. They just landed Andrew Sprague. He's a six foot eight, 290 pound high upside player at the point of attack that can develop into one of the best players at the position in college football. He's also a really good basketball player. He's a guy that was at the top of Michigan's board, regardless of position. Uh, They beat some powerhouse programs from him and, uh, I think they're positioned well for a couple other guys they like a lot, Blake Frazier and Jake Guaranera. trying to get this Jake Guaranera story up. He just dropped his top five and his decision date for later this month. I have a crystal ball for Michigan for Guaranera and Blake Frazier. Blake Frazier's dad played at Michigan. He's out of Austin, Texas. Um, but those are two tough, hard-nosed, physical players up front. And uh, with Michigan's strength and conditioning program, with their offensive scheme, and with the way that they develop players at the point of attack – You just figure if they get some offensive linemen in there that are tough and can bend, they're probably going to end up being pretty damn good. Right, Coop?
1: Yeah, I like the Andrew Spray kid. And Sharon Moore has done a terrific job uh, along the offensive line, now the offensive coordinator. So those responsibilities a little bit more on his plate for Sharon Moore. But, I mean, winner of the last two Joe Moore Awards, which is the award for the best offensive line in all of college football, that's their identity. That's who they want to be that's where they got to be up front. The Andrew Spray kid, out of all the guys that you talked about between Guerinera uh and between Frazier as well, who played opposite of Ian Reed who signed with Clemson uh this past year. They fit what they want to do. They're big physical guys that are tailored to play in the Big 10 and to play in cold weather football games in November and December. So, I think that's that's always going to be the teeth of of who they are, Steve, and uh, I know you got a little bit more to add to that.
2: I have a question for you uh Michigan strength coach a lot of people are mentioning him on the trail these recruits coach Hebert I think I said it right um they're talking about him being one of the best in college football we obviously recognize that watching college football uh, as close as we do but did you work with him Coop
1: I did so I, I will say this I'll add a little bit of context here one as uh somebody who worked for Michigan and then one uh as somebody who had to Uh, recruit against Michigan at the University of Washington, Ben Herbert might be the single most important hire during the Harbaugh era. That was a big point of contention when I was there in 2017. And I was, I was there for a cup of coffee. It was 11 months, but we went eight and five that year. We lost to South Carolina in the Outback Bowl and that team was more physical than us. And then from a, I would say, point of attack standpoint, we were very underwhelming for a team that was supposed to be built at the point of attack. I mean, we got pushed around by Wisconsin, and that was kind of a wake-up call. And Ben Herbert had been at Wisconsin. He had been at Arkansas with Brett Bielema. He came in and really kind of changed the identity and mentality of the program. And I think you have seen that now. Uh, really from the ground up. And those guys put in a lot of work, but I know we talk about it a little bit. These players don't spend more time with anybody except the strength and conditioning staff. That is their home away from home. Like That is an extension of the head coach. The culture and the mentality of a football team is cultivated in the off season. And you better have a very good Strength and conditioning coach, who's an extension of that. On the flip side, when we're at Washington, Zach Charbonnet, you know, I've talked about Zach Charbonnet a lot. So, number one running back on our board. Michigan, I remember, had liked him because I had worked with Jay Harbaugh, who's a running backs coach at the time. We had liked him too. He's from the state of California, had him on campus multiple times. He ends up going to Michigan, signing with them. And he told us at the end of the day, He signed with Michigan because he loved so much of what they were doing in the weight room. And Ben Herbert was the guy. And this guy was obsessed with professional development, who's going to set me up for success. Now, he transferred. He had some injuries. He had some – it wasn't a great fit for him. Ends up at UCLA. Point being, that guy's been an X factor for them. And they look like a completely different team. And sure, they've recruited better. But in terms of the job that he's done – it's been really, really impressive, and I think he doesn't get enough credit. His staff is elite, um, but he's been a he's been a complete game changer for for Jim Harbaugh ever since he stepped foot on campus.
2: Well, I know his presentation that he gives to recruits when they're on campus is always like you know what did you enjoy about your Michigan visit? It's always like one of the first things mentioned by all the guys is Coach Herbert's presentation, and uh, I mean it's it's even more obvious now when you see see the way that they play on Saturdays. And, you know, I think Michigan's going to be better this year than they were last year. Now, that's no guarantee that they will make the college football playoff, but I think that their roster's better than they were last year, and it would be exciting. And if they can go out and add, like, Aaron Childs to this class and some of those guys, I, I love Aaron Childs out of good Counsel, And, and uh, you know, if you if they compare him with uh, – um, why am I drawing a blank? Mason Curtis, I think that gives them some space-eating physical linebackers that can do a lot of things for your defense, um, and and maybe they get uh, the in-state kid Jeremiah Beasley from Belleville. They're they're in on some some athletic second-level defenders as well.
1: Drew, any color there on Michigan?
0: Care to comment? Well, th- let's go back to those two offensive linemen, right? You know what what has been the recipe for? Wolverines you guys touched on it uh building it play in the trenches and when you look at, at Jake and was Blake Frazier is the other guy right Blake you know I pop on the tape of them this morning Jake's a guy I saw in person uh this back past October playing up in, in uh, uh, uh Ponte Vedra Beach right outside of TPC Sawgrass um you know they're those are developmental guys but they move well uh they can find leverage push people out of the way um And and Steve, you always remind me like, hey, Michigan's going to get some of these guys drafted, right? Uh, You know, anytime they they're taking someone, you kind of got to, you know, take a second look and and make sure you're feeling that. So I'll just add, Jake, I I I would keep an eye on Penn State there. Every time I've been around him, I've I've been seeing him wear some some Penn State gear and and the Nittany Lions um, doing really well in Duval County right now. They landed a pair of cornerbacks out of out of that area, John Mitchell and and Antonio Belgrave shorter. Um, and we know Penn State wants to recruit the state of Florida as well. But that's all I got on Michigan, guys. Penn Off state, topic good. here,
1: I I expect Penn State to break through here in the next two years. And what I mean Man. by breakthrough is I, if they're if they're ever going to make a college football playoff appearance, it's going to be sometime over the next two seasons.
2: Well, they will when it's up to 16, but they're built to make it when it's four. Yeah. They've knocked on that door a couple times. The COVID year, that team was damn good. Micah Parsons opted out. They had some really good players opt out that year. That that team was built. But now they have the quarterback, at least from a talent standpoint, Drew Aller under center. Now we don't know what he's going to look like over the course of a 13 game season. Um, but we know he's talented. Uh, the most talented guy under center that James Franklin's had their offensive line this year is probably the best offensive line that they've had. The defense is going to be one of the best in the country. Their running back room is arguably the best in the country. They got the tight ends wide receiver interior defensive line. I think they'll try and dabble into the portal a little bit uh, after spring football. See who's see who's in the portal there. Um, but yeah, this football team, Penn state is an exciting football team this year. They were in that game with Michigan on the road, uh, where Sean Clifford, if I remember correctly, I don't think he was playing that well, even in the first half, but they were in that game and then Michigan, Michigan smoked them in the second half. Um, but, uh, uh, for Penn state to show the resiliency and rebound from that game, I think they're wired, right? and and uh, uh yeah i i'm excited to see what penn state does this year we got josh pate hanging out with them up there right now uh providing coverage on on late kick on on his program but uh oh man they've they've recruited athletic players on defense long guys and and, and guys that can run on offense and big offensive linemen. great they had one of the top 3 offensive line classes last cycle so they're 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 uh, building it up right around the point of attack it's it's exciting time to be a penn state fan that's for sure and 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 we love it
0: go ahead drew i I said we loved what they did in the secondary dakari nelson king mac elliot washington and then i'm saying i mean most recruiting fans listening to this podcast are not familiar with john mitchell or antonio belgrave shorter but these are kids i've seen like they're power five sec type talents and, and penn state's getting them locked up here in april it's it's pretty impressive like you know, those are the guys that if they had waited until December to make a decision, then everyone's knocking on the door for them.
2: Talking to some people last night after Belgrave Shorter popped, I think that there's a lot of excitement around that commitment for Penn State. And Cooper and I were at the Alabama Mississippi All Star Game, which was at the beautiful South Alabama facility. <laughs> uh, but Dakari
1: that, by the way,
2: Dakari Nelson was a top four prospect at that event. Like my opinion you had Sunterine perkins you peter woods you couldn't miss him but man dakari nelson you could not miss him like you walked out on the field and you're like that dude looks like he's a college junior right now and he had a great senior year great film like he he that was a great pickup to come in the sec country i have no idea how that one got
1: they had like they that. had tamari parker too for, for a short minute you know and they, um but he was heavily
2: recruited. Like, Dakari, like, how does, like, he's, like, Tennessee, Auburn. Like, the, like he, he, visited, he him out he, of that.
0: Circling back to the first 10 minutes of this podcast, like, he visited Auburn. There was times he was there, right? You got to give him a reason to be there.
1: I think the – I mean, it's hard to say this because you, you got to give him credit, but Hugh Freeze and company there, to me, that that's Penn State taking advantage of a – tough situation at Auburn at the time. And that's them kind of with the antennas up that knew that they could kind of assert themselves in a position like that. But Drew, to me, we don't we don't have to beat this door down, but like the job that they're doing in Florida, you just said it, power five SEC type players. And you have Florida, Miami there, Florida State as well. I mean, Florida State had to work hard to flip Conrad Hussey last year. I mean, that was another guy that was committed to Penn State who we really like, King Mack as a player that we love, right? Elliot Washington was a, a guy that continued to kind of prove himself over the course of the recruiting process. So what they've done at defensive back, what they've done at offensive line, another great get that they had late in the process, Chim Diono, a guy that we really like to go with, a guy like Javen Williams and Alex Berkmeyer. There's another name that I'm forgetting, Anthony Duncan, right? So what they've done at those two positions specifically – has has really spoke volumes over the last cycle, and then you combine that with Drew Aller, Singleton, Ktron Allen,
0: and, and on, on Good Friday they got Quentin Martin, the number one player in Pennsylvania. You know he committed to them, top fifty athlete for us. You know I, I, they view him as a running back. I think we we were internally we saying, hey, maybe he could play some defense. So that's why he's graded out as an athlete. But I, I think post Ktron Allen, post Nick Singleton, like he will be the bruiser in between the tackles, and and they needed that. Based on what they took last year in the 2023 class,
2: and he can catch the football a little bit too, guys. This is off script, but where we're time, I heard you guys talk about this a lot last year. So now all the chips are settled. We know where everyone went. Best offensive line class last year was Miami, LSU, which I know you guys stood on the table for for a little bit at some point. Is it, but Okanlola, I don't think it was committed at the time, or maybe it, so. You got Miami, you got LSU, and you got Penn State. Who is going to that group, who's going to get the most mileage out of those classes on the next level? Who's who did sign the best offensive line class in your guys' opinion?
1: Andrew, you know my answer. I I don't know your answer. Would say, all right, let me let me dive into a little bit of them at the time. The reason I would say LSU is because of what you saw out of Will Campbell and Emery Jones, and then you look at that offensive line. I mean, it is. D.J. Chester playing center at the All-American Bowl was kind of like an illuminating moment. I think at the time we thought, all right, tackle, guard. And then you see him at center and he had a really good week. And you're like, man, they can plug in D.J. Chester here. And then you got Zalance Hurd, who you can play on either side as a tackle. Both Campbell and Emery Jones have the position versatility to kick inside. One of them will at some point. Not to mention Paul Mupinga was a guy that kind of reminded us reminded us of Lloyd Cushenberry.
2: They beat Michigan for him. He was a silent to Michigan.
1: And then Tyree Adams is like, hey, it's kind of like your luxury take from New Orleans, right? He's this big physical traitsy tackle that you can kind of put on the back burner and just let him develop. And then Miami, you get the two rare tackles, right? Like you got the infinite you got two of the infinity stones there. Two, two to the three best tackles in the country in Malagoa and Okanlola. Both those guys, really, Malagoa is super rare. And then Okanlola has a chance to be special. Outside of that, you know, it was Tommy Kinsler, Drew, who I know you and I were kind of split on, um, Antonio Tripp, that I think kind of earned his way back into our good graces uh, with the way he played his senior year at IMG. Uh, and then Frankie Tenelau, I believe, is is the name, another one that was kind of a wild card in there. And then Penn State, I mean, Javen Williams is a guy that could play stud every position on the offensive line. Alex Berkmeyer is built for that conference. Di Ono is the wild card developmental upside guy that I would not be surprised if he's a day two NFL draft pick. And then, uh-huh. uh, then there's Anthony Donka, who's just a road grader. So I think Penn State, is the best built from top to bottom. I think LSU's got the best combination of ceiling and floor.
0: And I think Miami's guys are probably going to play the soonest, right?
1: Miami's guys are probably going to yeah, get played the soonest and they'll probably get picked the highest, the two tackles. Unless the Lance is the one that, you know, breaks through, which the will play for the Baltimore Ravens at some point in his career. I'm just calling it right now. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You're still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is
1: still my country. A gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Arkansas, out of all the teams we're talking about right now, Arkansas trying to finish with a back-to-back top 25 recruiting class. And I gotta, I gotta say, boys, I I like what they're doing so far in this 2024 class. You look at Arkansas and a couple of additions that kind of fly under the radar a little bit drew this KV on Henderson kid out of Leeds in Alabama you really like Nareel White is another kid out of Mississippi who's a really dynamic player and then you add in guys like Deion Stutz from Tennessee who is a developmental upside guy that I really like out of Memphis and then the last two commitments KJ Jackson quarterback at a St. James school in Montgomery led them to a championship this past season gotten to see him multiple times live and in person and then Julius Pope From South Panola in Mississippi. Every single one of these guys out of my area. So I got a pretty good read on this guy. Julius Pope kind of reminds me of the Harris Twins from last cycle. You know, a little bit of Lewis Carter. He's somewhere in between, right? Uh, Hovering around six feet. Can split him out a little bit. But a guy that really has made his name playing sideline to sideline. Rangy kid. And then the KJ Jackson kid. Left-handed. Smooth. Big physical kid. Every time I have seen him, he has gotten better and better. He got played really well as a junior. So Arkansas right now, this is this is these are quality takes early in the cycle
0: that I think fit what they want to do. And my my question here for Steve is right. Arkansas was in it for Aaron Nolan. Right. I mean, it seems like I don't want to say they pivoted, but hey, they realized they weren't getting air. And then they go to KJ Jackson. Is that is that somewhat accurate from your understanding, Steve?
2: Yeah, I think that obviously, um, you know how recruiting is. It's yeah, you got yeah. your guy, but you, you know, they like KJ Jackson a lot, and we'll see what happens on the next level. You know, so, mean, so but
0: they they did this last cycle as well. They were in it for Cedric Baxter, right? In it for Baxter. In it for Baxter. Realized, hey, we probably weren't going to get that date, and then they moved to Isaiah Augustav big frame running back who they are raving about i was was going back and you know i did the lindsey preseason magazine i think i said i highlighted him as a sleeper in the entire conference i think he fits what arkansas wants to do and i think when you look at kj jackson being their quarterback dan enos is now the offensive coordinator there he has worked with left-handed quarterbacks in the past to attack of iola um cooper i agree with your assessment you put on the tape i mean this guy has a, a a Kind of one of the strongest arms I would say we've seen in the 2024 cycle. I mean, he can air it out, big frame guy, can move around, plays basketball. I, I like him. Um, can stand in the pocket. So I I think it makes a ton of sense. You know, maybe he's not a super dynamic runner, but he can he can move the sticks with his legs. And more importantly, he can throw the football. And out of all the quarterbacks I, I've charted here in the 2024 cycle, he's got the highest yards per attempt, just over 14. Um over the past two seasons. So uh, again, he can air it out. And I, I think it's a great fit for Sam Pittman who wants to build a a nasty physical team that grinds you down. I, I think Arkansas has turned into a program where you don't want to play them, right? You don't want them on the schedule, right? Just based on what they do in, in, in the trenches. So uh, no, I, I like these two takes for them as well.
1: Little, little nugget on KJ Jackson real quick. I've gotten his See him uh, at the all gas showcase in, in Montgomery. Our, our friend Coach Steele down there. KJ Jackson is a type, it, it, this is who he is. One of my first exposures to him. After the combine was over, there's a ton of trash on the sidelines. He is the one guy to go up, stay 30 minutes after, and pick up every piece of trash. And listen, no, nobody's there. I was walking to my car at this point, I wasn't on the field. I right? love that. And There he is, you know, and you talk to him a little bit and we talked a lot about Aaron Nolan and what he's like and what type of person he is. KJ Jackson, whatever that is, you know, we can talk about the servant leadership and I've been around him multiple times. It's not just one exposure point. I love the way the kid is wired. And, you know, he's talked to me about where he's been ranked before and I said, hey, you just go out there. You take care of what you've been doing and everything else will take care of itself. So i love the way he's about business and and by all means looks to be a perfect fit for what arkansas wants to do on and off the football field
2: i know he's excited to get in there and play for coach enos and be part of that program and sam pitman's as cool a head coach as there is in the country like if you're like steve what head coaches would you want to hang out with sam pitman uh, just knowing what i know about him he would be on my short list of uh Uh, of guys to to hang with and so you know i think recruits love being around them as players love being around them and for them you know to be be able to get a guy like kj jackson and what most people are viewing as a down year at the quarterback position nationally is a a big pickup for them as they try and maintain a program that has a standard now there uh, at arkansas to to be one that can compete for double digit wins and 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 see what happens after that
1: i'd love to rip a a couple bourbons and a stove with Sam Pittman, maybe on a golf simulator sometime, Coach. If you're listening, <laughs> let me know. Catch a country concert or something, you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Go see George Strait or something like that. That'd be cool. All right, boys. Final thoughts before we get out of here. Drew, anything?
0: No, I think Arkansas. I, I'm just looking at their commit list. Man, they get it done in the portal as well. Jaheim Singletary, they got him out of there. You know, that was guy. I think Miami, Ole Miss were also involved in there. Uh,
2: when I was at Miami battle with you, the vibe was Jaheim Singletary would end up at Miami. Yeah. You know? So uh, yeah, kudos to Arkansas there. Um, and uh, got it. I think uh, as we, we kind of started the show talking about air Nolan, I think Luke Moga is going to come off the board soon. I think that's another quarterback that's going to drop at, at some point here in the near future as, as these quarterback dominoes come off the board. Michael Van Buren's got a decision date in uh Brian Doan on top of that story him and I crystal balled Penn State yesterday for him although we're not sleeping on the ducks I think Oregon's gonna get Moga or Van Buren Van Buren's visiting Oregon this weekend um so they're they're in the middle of it for for those guys so
0: well uh, Steve I did I did I did read your story the the QB dominoes falling in, in 2024 I think it's a great a great read and the last nugget you had on there was like, Hey, don't don't forget things can change rapidly. Do you anticipate as much movement this cycle late in terms of guys flipping and, and decommitting, or is it it's too far out to even? Yeah, anticipate? I think
2: I think. Or is this is, think... is
0: this the landscape now?
2: Now I'm not going to throw out like a name, but yeah, like, yeah, because who knows? But yes, there's going to be movement. His, it, recent history says that a blue a blue chip quarterback is going to rethink his decision here later in the process
0: Did 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 i also hear that uh our guy uh luke croman was at penn state didn't he visit over the weekend or was that a no
2: i don't actually know the answer to that but i know he has been up there before
0: yeah i'm not speculating i just he
2: went he was at the whiteout yeah uh, because i talked to him after that um That'd be it's a, a heck hole. of a zinger
1: to just throw in there. <laughs> throw I mean, well, let's go there to his profile the, here. You know, bottom, probably, of the, bottom of the ninth inning with two outs, and we're just going to throw a Cromwell-Oak surprise yeah, visit.
2: Let, let's see what we got. Uh, I'm only su- seeing Blush. Su- okay.
0: I swear someone texted me that. Tyler Cavalrusso, which prospects
2: visited Friday. Cromwell-Oak on there. I need yeah. to follow up. I need to get some answers. That's a return. That's a return visit.
0: Yeah, that's you got to follow the visits. I'm, I'm not, I'm not spe- like I'm just, you
1: know, stirring the pot or stirring the pot. No, I lo- that. Hey, that's actually big news. So, Steve, maybe we need to have you on again next week to follow up on <laughs> well, that. One. We need to have Tyler lo- Cavaluso on right we, now. We, 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 <laughs> we the love that's Luke Cromo. Some,
2: um, sometimes I come in late, you know, but uh,
0: I hear you. Well, you do, you do an admirable job of covering the entire country. So we'll, uh... and you were on vacation over the week. Yeah, right? cut
1: yourself some slack. Oh, good. What All what good. day
0: did you see Creed?
2: Oh man, that was I saw Creed weeks ago. The day, okay. I mean, the week it came out. I think I saw okay. it. I didn't see it opening night, but I opening I morning. So Friday's typically my golf day, but when it's cold out, I you know I fit in a movie.
1: Every day's a golf day, baby. <laughs> That's all right. My point. final thoughts. I got a text from uh a staffer at UCLA and all it said was Dante. Dot dot dot.
2: Are we live?
1: Yeah, oh, we're live.
2: I thought that this was like a recording. No, this is
1: final thoughts, man. <laughs> final thoughts. So people
2: were listening to us live right now?
1: No, 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 no. Oh, okay, no, God. we're not live. We're not live. This is recorded. Got but it. yes, you were on the air. <laughs> all right. Uh anyway, Dante Moore. Keep an eye on that name. There's a reason he was a five-star, pretty 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 good. Steve, love having you on, man. Appreciate you uh sharing your knowledge with us on this beautiful Tuesday morning here, April 11th. Also, Andrew, great job as always, my man. We got a big update coming up 2025 in the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned for that. We're expanding from 100 to 247. Always a process. Hashtag trust the process and make sure you trust the process with 24 seven sports. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, and also make sure to leave a review. If you have a question, make sure you ask it in the review. And we've already seen a couple of you guys do that. For those of you who have done that, we appreciate that. Our plan is to get to that either on the Wednesday or Thursday episode. So, guys, we appreciate you listening the podcast month over month. in February up, 55% in March up. Let's keep those trends going. we got a great guest tomorrow. we got a great guest next week as well. We're fired up for that. We're going to keep on bringing you some of the faces of college football right here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. So for our Director of Recruiting, Steve Wolfong, for our Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins, and for our producer, Lance Glenn, who's getting ready to play 54 holes of golf this weekend, I'm National Recruiting Analyst from Sagna. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: New
2: CBS Sunday.